Now we're going to continue with Daf Memvav. All right? So here we go. This is really tomorrow's Daf, but let's, let's tackle this over here. Zok the Mishnah Vaiter. Everybody's in agreement that Shneim, both Ruven and Shimon, both of these partners, are forbidden Lahamid Rechayim to set up a mill, Vitanur or an oven, Ulagadal Tarnagailim, and to raise chickens in this jointly owned field. Okay. Now usually, usually if I if we have a partnership and I want to do something to the field that's going to make it more useful, nobody's going to have a problem with it. But over here, over um, where specifically to a mill, and when it comes to uh, when it comes to raising chickens, that we're going to say that since it's considered an extra that's not needed for the field, we're going to call this a benefit. And since each one said, "I'm not allowed to benefit from my friend." You cannot add this uh, this mill, this oven, or this chicken coop to the field. Now the mission is going to shift. Now until now, each one forbade benefit from the other. Reuven said, I'm not benefiting from Shimon. Shimon's not benefiting from Reuven. What if it's a one-way street? What if only one of them was forbidden to benefit from his friend? So then the halacha is, The one who's forbidden to receive the benefit cannot enter the field. Rebeliezer ben Yaakov, again, Tanakamba's consistent, right? You know I can't enter the field? Because every last inch of the field is, is uh, jointly owned by this guy who he can't benefit from. But Rebeliezer ben Yaakov says, wrong. The guy who's forbidden to benefit could walk onto the field and he could say to his partner, I'm not benefiting from you. I'm benefiting from my part of the field. And I am not uh, entering any part of the field that's owned by you. And then we're going to force whoever started, you know, whoever took the vow and, and caused this saris, we're going to ca- uh, cause the uncomfortable situation of one partner being forbidden to benefit. We're going to force him to sell his part of the field. Now, why would we force him to sell out? So the Mepharshim here explain that it's because we're, it has to do with Hochas Nedarim, actually. We're concerned that since he's forbidden to benefit, another guy's permitted to benefit, if he sees the other guy benefiting when he can't, we're concerned he may come to regret his nether. And that's going to lead to a whole different set of problems. If you regret the nether, it might actually be nullified, but then you're going to transgress. You're going to bring a carbon when you didn't really need to bring a carbon, so on and so forth. We're going to say we, we can't have this, you know, and it, it's, a, it's an important message in life as well. Very often when you have relationships and one of the, you know, one side of the relationship always feels like they have to walk on eggshells and they're uncomfortable with the whole structure and the whole setup, the whole matzah. It's not a healthy, it's not a healthy reality. So you got to do what you can to, to remove that situation. The Mishnah says the best way to remove the situation is to cause whoever, is to tell whoever took the vow, took the nether to sell out and, uh, you know, for fair value and, and uh, remove the partnership. Now only one of them is going to own it. Okay. So that is halacha number two. Again, halacha number one, which was Memhei uh, Memhe Bey's beginning of our Mishnah, was discussing when each one made a neder from his friend. The second case one is only when only one of them was forbidden to benefit. Again, we had the same machlaikas. Tanakama, who says, Ein Breira says you cannot walk on the field. Rabbi Lezbenak says you could. 
but at the same time, we're going to force the, this partnership to end. Next halacha, hayyechad min ashuk. Let's say you have somebody from the shuk, from the marketplace, meaning a random person, an outside person. Okay. So Ruvain and Shimon are partners. And Ruvain says about Yisachar that Yisachar is not allowed to benefit from my field. You have partners. One partner says about Yisachar that he can't enter the field. So there's going to be the same machlaikas, right? Because if they both own every last inch, this guy cannot walk onto the field. If each one owns 50%, Yisachar could walk onto the field and say, I'm walking on Shimon's side, right? So here we go. So says the Mishra, the Tanakhama, Laikaris the Chatz, the Tanakhama holds, Yisachar is not allowed to enter the field at all because everybody owns the whole field. Rebbe Lezbin Yaakov, no. Yachol Lai, let Yisachar say to Ruvain, who doesn't want him to benefit, I'm not walking on your part of the field. I'm going on Shimon's part of the field. I'm not entering your part of the field. All right, beautiful, logical, sensible, another ramification of this machlekes, yesh breira or ain breira. Let's keep going. Another case. If somebody is forbidden to benefit from his friend because of a neder. So we're going to, you know, keeping the names that we have, we're going to name this guy Yisachar. Yisachar is vowed in, right? He's, he's the subject of a vow. That he's not allowed to benefit from Reuven. Okay. And this guy who's forbidden to benefit, he has a base Hamerchatz, he, he has a bathhouse, or he has a base Habad. Base Habad is where they would press olives. And they are Muskarim Be'ir. They are uh, rented out in the city. If whoever, you know, if Yisachar who owns it still has uh, ownership uh, or has control, we'll call it, that's the better word, if he has control over these uh, these items, call it the wine press, the, the olive press, or the bathhouse, also, he can't benefit. But if, let's say, he does not have control over it, then mutter, it's permitted for the other guy, whoever's not allowed to benefit. So let's say, let's switch around the case. I said Yisachar owns it. Let's say it's really Ruvain who owns it. And he doesn't want Yisachar using it, but now Ruvain's renting it out to the city. So whether or not Yisachar is allowed to make use of it is going to depend on Ruvain's control over this, uh, over the bathhouse or over the wine press. Okay. Now what's the nafkamina? As we're going to see, Bez Hashem on Ahmed Bez, that when you rent something out and you've given up your rights to the renter, we're now going to view the renter as the primary owner and anybody who's receiving benefit is going to be considered receiving benefit from the renter and not the owner, which makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, right? So for example, for example, if Reuven owns an apartment complex, Reuven owns an apartment complex and you have Shimon, Levi, Yehuda all renting apartments in, from Reuven. They're on, you know, 12 month long rentals. One of them wants to invite Yisachar to his house. Can the owner, the landlord, Reuven, forbid Yisachar from saying, Yisachar, you can't benefit from me. 
Therefore, that means you can't enter any apartment that I own. Or do we say, no, 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 Reuven, we know you own the apartment, but you've been renting it out and you have no control over these apartments. This is Shimon's on a 12-month lease over here. Levy's on a 12-month lease. You can't stop them and stop your sucker from going over their house. So that's what, the, that's what the Mishnah here is kicking in, in that if you have somebody forbids the benefit and he took a vow, so if he still has control over the property, even though it's rented, we'll say, Ataki, Yisachar can't come. But if he doesn't have control over it, he just happens to own it. And the renter is the one who decides what goes on inside the property. So then Yisachar is still permitted to go and benefit from, uh, from the property. Okay. Final case of the Mishnah. Somebody says to his friend, Kainam, an expression of a vow. I'm making a Kainam, Lebezcha, about your house, Sha'ani Nichnas, about entering. Saruvain says to Shimon, I am taking a vow. I will not go to your, you, Shimon's house. Shimon, I'm making a Kainam. I'm not coming to your house. Visadcha, Sha'ani Lekayach. And I will never buy your field. We had this, we, Kamara earlier quoted this Mishnah. Mace, and then the guy dies, he sells it to somebody else, Mutter. Now, the guy who made the kainam is permitted to buy it. Because what did he say? I'm not going to go into your house. I'm not going to buy your field. But if the field is sold to somebody else, in between, so now the guy who took the vow could buy it. Because he's not buying the field from whoever he made the vow from. He bought it from somebody else. Fine. But however, what if he says, kainam bayis zeh shani nichas? I will never enter this house. He doesn't say I'll never enter your house. I'll never buy your house. He says I'm never going to go into this house. It's not about your ownership anymore. It's about the edifice itself. Or I'll never buy this field. See, even if the guy dies or sells somebody else, the one who took the vow is still going to be forbidden to buy the house. And he's still going to be forbidden to, to enter the house or to buy the field. Because again, you didn't make it about who, it's not about who owns it. It's about the, uh, it's about the field itself, the edifice itself. And, um, and you're always usher to benefit from it. Clear? Yeah? All right, beautiful. Okay. So we have a, a number of uh, fascinating halakhas. Let's give ourselves a, uh, a quick overview. We said in the Mishnah, when Shutzfin forbid benefit from each other, so again, machlekes yesh breira or ein breira. Does each one own fifty percent, one hundred percent? That's going to depend on whether they're allowed to benefit by saying I'm on my part. Then the Mishnah um, taught us that if one of them uh, made the uh, if one of them took a vow forbidding benefit, so then we have the same machlekes. Could the other one go on and say I'm on my fifty percent? Ultimately, even if he could, we said we, we, we forced the sale and we end the partnership because otherwise we're going to come into Isurim, possibly Isurim, with the halachas of vows. And then we said the same achlaikas applies for Yisachar coming from the marketplace. If one partner forbids Yisachar from benefiting, could Yisachar enter the field? Same thing. If you could divide the field, Yisachar could always go on and say, I'm on Shimon's part. If they both own the whole thing, he can't. And then we said if somebody... Uh, uh, forbids benefit from a landlord. Uh, a landlord forbids somebody to, to benefit from him and then he rents it out. So it depends whether or not the guy could benefit from that land is going to depend on whether the landlord is still holding on to the strings and has control over that field. And the final case was if somebody takes a vow forbidding himself to, to purchase or enter a house of a specific person, if that guy sells it to someone else, you could benefit. If it's about the edifice, then you can't. Okay, those were all the halakhas of the Mishnah. Let's get into the Gemara.
Yiboyluhu. They ask the question, searching for information. Benadrai Pligi. Our Mishnah was a case of, what was the case? Hashutfin. You have these partners, and what, the, what expression did these partners use? Shenadru hana'a zemizeh. They used an expression of a neder. A vow. So it was nadru So, hidiru ze'ezeh mai. What happens if Reuven, instead of Reuven saying to Shimon, I won't benefit from you, and Shimon saying to Reuven, I won't benefit from you, what happens if Reuven says to Shimon, you cannot benefit from me? And Shimon says, Reuven, you cannot benefit from me. Me, Amrino, do we say, that it's only where each one took their nether that we have a machlaikas? But let's say if Reuven says about Shimon, it's not that Shimon self inflicted this, this uh, nether. What if Reuven was the one who created for Shimon and then Shimon created for Reuven? Maybe Module Rabbanon, Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, maybe the Rabbanon would agree with Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov that you could. You know, look at it as 50-50. Why? Because they're considered to be forced into this, uh, into this situation where they're, forbidden, where they're forbidden to benefit from each other. Okay? Meaning, maybe, the Gemara is asked like this. It could be the Chum agree that you could ultimately divide the field. However, in our Mishnah, the reason why they're saying you can't is because it's your own fault. If you're the one who if Ruvain says to Shimon, I will not benefit from you. So it's Shimon's own fault. It's Ruvain's own fault for saying that. Shimon's own fault. So we're going to kind of canass him. We'll find him for doing that. But if he wasn't the one who created that Isser and somebody else did it for him, maybe he'll talk agree. Yesh prayer. Or perhaps a filo pligi rabban. Maybe rabban are consistent with this halacha and they say, no, we hold aim always. So Gemara answers, Tashma, come and listen. If, if uh, one partner forbids benefit from his friend, argues. you see from over here that the Bachlaikas of Yesh Breira or Eim Breira, meaning the Rabbanan's opinion of Eim Breira, applies whether the vows are here as a self-inflicted wound, or whether the vow is here by being placed by somebody else. They hold Eim Breira is a consistent rule. Says the Gemara, what do you mean? Uh, you, should, you should learn that the Mishnah is talking about a case where somebody took a nether and And I'll tell you that this is actually a, a logical approach to understanding our Mishnah. Because in the end of the Mishnah, we learned, which was the second case, when one of them took a vow forbidding benefit, we said, whoever made the vow, we're going to force him to sell his chilek. Now, if you're going to tell me that we're dealing with a case where he was the one who forbade the benefit, so we'll call this a, a self-inflicted neder, that's why we say we force him to sell it. You opened your mouth. You didn't need to make this neder. You did. You're the one causing the potential nether issues. So you know what? We'll force you to sell out. But if you're going to tell me the case is even when there's a nether made by somebody else, now we have a problem. You know why? Says the Gemara Gishmat. Ready for this? If the case applies, if our whole mission of its cases apply even when it's not a self-inflicted vow, but it's a placed vow, i.e. Ruvain says to Shimon, you cannot benefit from me. Let's read the Mishnah now. Ready? Let's talk outside. 
Reuven says to Shimon, you cannot benefit from me. So what's happening? Shimon cannot benefit from Reuven. Reuven could still benefit from Shimon. One-way vow. So Shimon cannot benefit. So he can't. Guess what? The Mishnah says, we're going to force whoever has the vow to sell. That's not fair. Because somebody else placed a vow on me, now I need to lose my ownership. I'm going to lose my partnership because I'm subject of a vow from you? People could end partnerships like that. And force the Yanum, force the other guy to sell out. So the Gemara says, obviously, the Mishnah is talking about a case where it's a self-inflicted nether. And when you have a self-inflicted nether, maybe that's where there's Machlechus, Yintan, Akava, and Rebelaz, and Yaakov, but you don't know for sure. We don't know what the halacha would be when Reuven would, if the case would be that Reuven placed the vow on Shimon, and Shimon placed the vow on Reuven, it's still, we're still not sure whether the same Machlechus would remain in place. Okay, beautiful. Bottom of Memvov Amar Aleph, last line, here we go. Omar Raba Omar Ziri. Raba says in the name of Ziri, top of Memvov Amud Beis. There's a the whole Mishnah says Rabbah quoting Ziri is by a uh, is when there's partnership over land that can be divided according to Halacha it's possible for division that's where we say there's a machlekes tin the chachamim who say you cannot enter the field and Abbas Yaakov says you could but let's say the field is too small to be divided. Okay? Now, what is considered large enough and small enough? A makom, a place, a piece of land has to be at least four amos. So to be a land that's possible to be divided amongst two people, you're going to need land that's eight amos, uh, eight, eight amos in size. Okay? You need to leave over at least four. He says if, you're, if the land is less than eight amos, Divrei hakol mutter. Everybody's going to agree that it's mutter to enter the field. Okay, meaning the chachamim will agree yesh breira. Something we're gonna we could view something as it's uh, that as if it's divided, if it's a field that's impossible to divide. Okay, now this is incredible because you would think it's the opposite. You think if it's possible to divide. So then we could view it like it's, the, it's already divided. If it's not possible to divide, then not. Okay? So let's explain. Let's explain. What happens is like this. If you have a field that's, let's say, very large, probably what we, we envision. You have a field that's very large. So now, we don't know for sure. The Chum are going to say like this. We don't know for sure which part of the field Reuven will end up with. And we don't know which part of the field Shimon will end up with. And, and we don't know... If they'll ever end up with a part of the field, it could be that the, their families will be in business for generations to come. All right? We don't know this. Um, and therefore, the Chum are going to say, if you want Breira, if you want Breira, if you want to say it's got to be, be uh, separated, there has to be that you can retroactively clarify each part of the land as to who as to who owns it. Okay? So the Chum are going to say that in a case, 
where it could be divided ultimately, you can't, you can't say Breira. Because you don't know what each one is, is going to end up with. So when each one goes in, he can't say to the other one, oh, I'm in my part of the land. Because it's, it's not clarified yet. It's not defined yet. All right? Rabbi Lozben Yaakov, however, Rabbi Yaakov says that even when you could divide land, we say Breira. Why? Because we look at the rights. And each one has a right to use the entire land. And therefore... When Shimon enters this, we'll call it a hundred ama piece of land, he, oh, he enters a, a very large land, he's retroactively clarifying for us which part is his. Meaning, which part he has chusim in, and he has chusim in every part that he walks on. All right? And therefore, the issue is going to be by a land that is divisible. The Rabbana are going to say, Where's the clarity? It's divisible, so give me clarity. If it's indivisible, the Chamar are going to be bothered by this, as we'll explain. All right, back inside. Amar le Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef says, Harei Beisakneses, however, but, behold, when you have the case of a Beisakneses, the case of a Shul, now Shuls are considered Rishus Harabim, it's considered a public domain, the Kemi Shem Baikadei Chaluka Dami, we should view this like something that's indivisible, Something that cannot be divided. Why? Because everybody owns it. Utnaan, and we learned in a mission about a shul, Shneem Asurim Bedavar Shal that if they forbid benefit from each other, they're both forbidden to benefit from anything that, uh, that is owned by the entire town, because everybody's considered a, a, a partial owner. All right, so now here's going to be the problem. If Reuven says we're not benefiting from Shimon, and Shimon says we're not benefiting from Reuven, guess what? They cannot go to shul anymore. Because since Reuven's a partial owner in the shul, like everybody, Shimon can't go in. And since Shimon's a partial owner in the shul, in the shul Reuven cannot go in, and the shul is indivisible. You see from here that a nether prohibits you from even entering a property that's indivisible. So there's a question. We said, oh, there's no machlaikas by an ind- a property that's too small to be divided. It's indivisible. Everybody will agree you could use it. So it's, like, well, it's not true. A shul is considered like a property that's indivisible. And we said they cannot use it. Ella rather, Amar B'Yosef Amar Ziri. Sir B'Yosef argues on Rabbah. And he says, no. He says, this is what Ziri said. Machlaikas she'imba k'dei chaluka. The machlaikas of our Mishnah, between the Rechachamim, Rebbe Zman Yaakov, is when there's not enough to be divided, like we would have thought. Not enough to be divided, we'll say, you can't say Breira, it's never going to be divided. If it's large enough, then Divrei call Aser. Everybody's going to agree, uh, even Rebbe Lezben Yaakov will agree that it is Aser, uh, that it's Aser to enter, because it's unclear, right? Anytime it's unclear, he'll agree that we cannot, uh, we cannot express Breira, and um, and uh, he'll agree with the Chum. Bottom line is, says the Gemara, Omar Ravuna, Ravuna says, let me tell you the Psak, Halacha Krabloz ben Yaakov, Halacha is like Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, that we say, Yesh Breira, Bechein, Omar Rabbi Lazar, Halacha Krabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. Halacha is like Rabbi Eliezer, Halacha is like Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. Okay. Two dots, one more short piece of Gemara, here we go. Hamodar Nami Chaber, Bi Yeshua, Yesham, Merchatz, Vechulu. If somebody has a nether on him, 
uh, and he's not allowed to benefit from this guy who owns, who's the landlord of a bathhouse or an olive press, so on and so forth. The Kamat Yad, how much control does the landlord need to retain in order for this guy to still be forbidden to benefit from what he owns? A half, a third, or a quarter? All of this is called, you know, having control over some of the strings. Anything less than a quarter um, is not considered any sort of ownership. Okay. So if the landlord gives more than 75% control to whoever's renting it, then he's not considered like a shutif here anymore. He's not considered a partner of this anymore. And it's permitted for this other guy to benefit. Abai says, no, I feel the butts here, usr. Even if there's less of 25% gains or ownership rights to this property, even if the landlord has less than 25%, this other guy, can, we'll call him Yisachar, is still not allowed to benefit. So when would Yisachar be permitted to benefit from a property that a landlord, that he, you know, when, when, uh, he's not, when you're not allowed to benefit from the landlord, and now somebody else is renting it, at what point do we say, you could use it, the landlord's not involved? When the landlord gets a set amount every month, okay? When the landlord gets a set amount every month, then we say Yisachar could gain from it. I.e., for example, the case that we gave, where Ruvain is a landlord over apartments. This apartment, he's getting $1,000 a month per apartment, and that's it. He has no rights to tell you who goes in, who goes out, how much electricity to use, how much not to use. He, you take your money and I get in tug. As soon as he get, if 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 it's a if it's a fixed amount, no matter what percentage it is, but it's a fixed amount, that's where we say now there's you, you own it, but you have no control over this. You suffer again. However, if let's say the landlord and those renting it were it didn't have a, a a fixed amount, a set fee that they were paid, they were paid based upon. Uh, how much income they could generate from there, or so on and so forth, then we'll say the landlord still has uh, has a bailus over here, and Yisachar would not be permitted to uh, to benefit at all or enter this property. Okay, Gavaldik, we'll hold it here for today. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos, everybody.